The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, great to have you along with me on the program today. I've got several guests lined up for you. Uh, This is obviously the first week of October, and we all know that that means a time of uh, change is in the air for people's health insurance plans. It's when they review. And with me today to talk about that is somebody from Affordable One Insurance in Central Florida, Don Kirkendall. Don, great to have you with us to help sort through some of the changes that well, we might be looking at. Well, the computers will get updated on October 1st, so formulary changes, plan changes will be out there. You can't officially make a change until October 15th. Okay. But the question, you can get your questions answered, and it's time to be ready. So it's not too early to start that process. And one of the things that I know you talked, Don, and, and first of all, thank you for being with me on the program here today. Uh, One of the things that you and Mark, I was privileged to hear that interview and to be in the same studio with you when you did that. One of the things you were talking about in the first part of Mark's show was new people that are coming up into the age where they're finally going to be able to join Medicare. They're excited about it. Uh, They're ready for it. And yet there are so many things that are not known and in this day and age, not even necessarily easily obtainable because of the fact that so many of the social security offices are either virtual or they're difficult to get into. It's a lot different than it would have been back, let's say in 2017, 2018. So what do new people need to know who are approaching Medicare age and and maybe even this month? Well, if you're new to the program, you need to take a look at the program you're on and then take a look at what's available to you to see what's going to be different and what's going to change. Because if you've been on a corporate plan, Medicare is different. If you've been on an individual plan, Medicare is different. Before I came in here this morning, I had a doctor's office on the phone and the woman had signed up for an individual Affordable Care Act plan and went to the doctor and found out the doctor didn't take it. Wow. And, and realistically, yeah. you want to do that the other way around. Yeah, right. So if you have certain <laughs> physicians that you use, you're going to want to need to know what programs they accept because yeah. they're independent business people. They don't take every program. Now, w- before we get back to Medicare, let's talk about that Affordable Care Act, which another name for that has always been Obamacare because it came out. It was one of the first things that Obama did when he was president in, I guess, 08. And it was so rushed through uh, that, you know, it it kind of turned the whole insurance world on its ear, didn't it? It changed a lot of things and a lot of perceptions people had of what was going to happen at the time. It's not happened that way. And so that open enrollment will be in November. So that will be the time for you to change if you're on an Affordable Care Act, Obamacare plan. If you want to make changes, that's be the perfect time to do it. Okay. So that deadline or that open date is November. November. Okay. But let's go back now to Medicare. Uh, I know the process to get Medicare, it's doable. I've recently done it not only for myself, but for my wife. Uh, And with all of the fact that 
we all know it's coming. It, it is still not the easiest process, especially if people procrastinate on that. Isn't that right? Well, you have the basics. The basics are part A is an apple, part B is in boy. You can go to Medicare.gov. There's a button right there that says enroll in Medicare. You can go to the Social Security office. They can help you. Or you can call If you them. can get in. If you can get in. Yeah. Or you can call them on the telephone and you want to set aside a good 30 to 60 minutes because, again, their phone lines are busy. But normally, that process there at Medicare.gov to sign on to Medicare is relatively easy. I found it to be amazingly easy. Mm-hmm. In fact, I I did that other step of thinking, well, it'll be easier for me to go down and talk to somebody at Social Security. So I spent a couple of days trying to get through that line. Mm-hmm. And one of the days I waited literally 45 minutes and I gave up. I mean, I just couldn't do it. It just couldn't hang on any longer. Yeah. So then I went online and did, I thought, well, I wonder if I could do my application. And you know, Don, you're exactly right. It was amazingly easy. It, it walked me right through. Even though I thought I had a few questions that I needed to answer, there was a space to put those questions down. And to my great surprise, the very next day, I get a call from somebody from the Social Security or Medicare department. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, that was so helpful. Yeah, cool. And and typically what will happen is once you do it, you'll get a letter fairly quickly. Then your Medicare cards will show up about 10 days after you get that letter. So you'll get the letter telling you when your effective date is going to be. The big problem, we just had this happen again the other day, uh, they threw it all away. And so because it comes in a white 4 by 6 envelope from a place called the Center for Medicare and Medicaid, sometimes it could look like advertising. And as yeah. you turn 65 you're going to get a lot of advertising. Oh, my goodness. Those letters come from just about every insurance company you can imagine. Pretty much every insurance company. Yeah. Because they have a list called Turning 65, and they buy that list, and they go out and they start sending things to people in the hopes that they'll call. But you do have to watch out for that. Uh, you don't want to throw that away because now you're going to have to go back. I mean, this gentleman was fortunate in that we had a way to help him uh, get his information, but... You don't want to have to recreate all that. But he's still going to end up doing that to get that original card back. So give us the 30,000-foot view, if you will, on Medicare for somebody that is uh, needing now. It's, it's about time. How soon can they apply? Well, you can, you can apply. Generally, we recommend you apply about 90 days prior. So if you're turning 65 in October, go backwards, September, August, July. So somewhere in that time frame, you would have gone to Medicare.gov, put in your information, and that way you'll have your cards and your information in plenty of time. All right. So earlier, the better, because there are delays, right? right? If you're on Social Security, my wife got her card four months before she turned 65. She got it automatically. But I did not. So I'm filing for mine about 30, 60 days out. So. Okay. But yeah. we recommend 90 days That way you're going to get all that. You'll have plenty of time to shop additional plans to help pay for what Medicare doesn't and make it easy for you when that day comes. There are a couple of websites that I know that uh, people need to get if they are looking at going on to Medicare. Number one, it's the one you mentioned, go to Medicare.gov. But then there's also getting a My Social Security account set up. And that's also helpful for people. If they've not done that, I'd recommend that, wouldn't you? 
Well, you go to ssa.gov, Social Security, you can go to medicare.gov, and on there, there is a button for a one account for both. Oh, nine did so, not know that. So you can sign up, and you want to sign up for that. And the reason you want to sign up for it is so you can see everything that happens to you in Social Security, everything that happens to you in Medicare. If you want to know what they think the plan that you have, then your login will tell you that. Yeah, when I go to SSA now, I see my Medicare information there. So somehow that got linked, although I did not do what you said. Well, they're part of the same organization. Yeah, Yeah. so they've linked it all up, and it's all very helpful. And it is, again, doable. Uh, uh, Many people are a little afraid because it is computers and there are those security things that you always wonder, is this safe? Am I giving away too much information? Could hackers come in? Those are pretty good sites, and they're pretty dependable, aren't they? You want to look at the top of the screen. The reason I tell you that is just yesterday, all of a sudden, we're getting these pop-up things that have nothing to do with the site that we thought we were at, they're, and they're Medicare things. And so if it doesn't have the address at the top that you think you're supposed to be at, then get off that screen. Close your browser, get off that screen, and come back into the process. Because what these folks are doing is, especially if you've done any kind of Google searches, is it's keeping track of where you've been and it's redirecting. I forget the term on Facebook, but there's a term on Facebook that if you've looked up red cars 10 times, the next time you go in for anything automobile, boom, you're going to get an ad for a red yeah, car. that's right. Whether you want a red car or not, you're going to get that ad. So you have to be really, really cautious. You know, a funny thing about that, I was having a conversation this week with an individual, and we were sitting in, in my office talking, and this one uh, kind of random thought came up, and we were talking about something, and it, it was random. I mean, neither one of us had talked about that in years. And then a day later, this guy who was sitting there with me had his phone. Th- that very thing popped up on his feed in in his email. And it's like, okay, is Big Brother listening <laughs> to what's going on? Is there a chance of that? There's a great chance of it because you can actually buy Google Voice search advertising. Oh, man. Absolutely. And it's interesting advertising where theoretically it knows where you're at. But you can say locally, you can say in this zip code, uh, but you can search Google by voice. Yeah. Yeah, I know that that whole term. And I think that what you were referring to earlier is the term is algorithms. There are these algorithms that are out there that they they kind of fit you in and and they kind of based on your search history and things like that they'll plug this into this algorithm and it will spit out all of these things and you're right you got to be careful you got to look for that little lock sign and it should be https the s is important that was this that's the secure Secure. lock one yeah well if you've ever been on amazon you've seen it you went into amazon and you bought a tire. Yeah. And at the bottom of the screen, here's 12 other things. So the last people that bought this tire also bought hubcaps and lug nuts and all that. Right. And so they're doing the exact same thing to you. Yeah. They're, they're kind of tracking us and that's uh, the way this world is. But I, I personally still do most of my purchasing and even my payments. I do that online. And if you are careful, like you said, I know there are people that have gotten burned and man, my heart goes out to them. 
We got to be careful about uh, security information that we give away, like our social security number. Don't do that unless you are absolutely sure you're talking to the right person because it's a sad thing. There are scammers out there, aren't there? A lot of scammers. I did three years in internet security before I got into insurance. As a rule, we buy very, very little online because of the nature of our business. We prefer to support local business and we want to go down the street and buy it provided we can get what we need. We just went through an interesting experience with a folding table where we bought it and they were going to deliver it online. or I'm sorry, not deliver it online, but deliver it the next day from a very large company. And they sent us an email the next day and said, we're not delivering it, we don't have it. And I'm like, then why did it say your store around the corner had it? And so we went around the corner to another store and bought the folding table to use. But uh, online bill paying, Yes, my tendency is get on, do what I have to do, where I know it's right, and then get off. That's right. We don't want to sit on that any length of time, especially on a wireless connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of local stuff, if we can buy it locally, because I've not seen significant price differences, mm-hmm. of that table being a great example, I don't think there was a dollar difference between whether I went over and picked it up. I really was hoping they would deliver it and save me throwing it in the back of the car. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> well, I, I can't mention this because I'm not going to give them any punch, but there's a huge store right around the corner from my office, and as a business, I can order online from them instead of going to the store. What we noticed that's interesting is they don't deliver from that store. They actually have a corporate store that's right. that it ships mm-hmm. in, and then just the other day, we got two shipments. And one of them came from someplace else, and the other one came from the corporate store locally at two different times on the same day, which I found to be fascinating. But they must be making money at it. But if we don't need a lot, we'll just go over to the store. In this case, we had an event coming up, and we needed a lot of them out. So we still bought from that company, which has local employees, and we support all that. But I was surprised that we got two different shipments. Well, let's jump real quick back to Medicare And let's talk for a moment about what people need in addition to what you mentioned, Part A, Part B. And give us an explanation on what those two things are. And then let's talk about things that we may need on top of Part A and Part B. So Part A is for hospitals, and it has a deductible. Part B is for doctors and labs. It's got a deductible. Then Part D is in David is your prescriptions. Now, depending on the type of plan you bought, you have to watch out. A lot of times if people have a supplement product, they're like, well, I don't take any drugs. I don't want to pay for a prescription drug plan. But since your health can change very, very, very quickly and the cost of prescriptions can be just astronomical, you want to have that prescription coverage. That's a Mm -hmm. big deal. Um, But And then there's a thing called Part C, which is a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, Okay, a Medicare Advantage plan is different than a supplemental insurance plan, right? Right. Supplement pays on top of Medicare. Typically, uh, Medicare Advantage plans are all in one, similar to your corporate plan in that on your card is your doctors, the way your prescriptions work. You've got one card for everything. What's the difference between C and a supplemental insurance from the standpoint of your doctors and who you can actually see? Is one better than the other for that? Well, the difference for the doctor is reimbursement. So if you have a supplement, the doctor's going to bill Medicare and he's going to bill the supplement. 
and that's how he'll get compensated. If you have Medicare Advantage, he has a contract with that insurance company, and he'll bill that insurance company, and they will manage that for you and for him. Okay. And then if there's a copay with that, you are responsible for that copay. You'll have out-of-pockets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'll vary depending on what you're getting done, and they'll vary if you're in-network or out-of-network. So again, just like a corporate health plan, you want to stay in network as much as possible to keep your costs down. So this is the uh, beginning now of annual enrollment, yep. a renewal, and how long will that go on? December 7th. Okay, so from October, uh, and you said it actually kicks in the 15th, I believe you said, of October? Well, the changes will be in the computer on the 1st. So that way, somebody's got a drug plan, and we need to do a review and do an update. We'll be able to see if there's been a change there for them. And then if they need to make that change, they can make that change after October 15th. Okay. And then that window closes on December 7th. December 7th. And then you mentioned earlier there's a different date for those that are in the uh, marketplace insurance plan with with uh, Affordable Care Act, right? Right, yeah. Obamacare is going to kick in in November, and then there's another Medicare open enrollment period that starts in January. Now, the difference is annual enrollment period, they can make 20 changes. Open enrollment period, they'll only make one. And so they have to kind of pay attention to you know what's going to happen where. Then there's a wonderful thing called a special enrollment period. And special enrollment periods, we had one here in Florida because of the storm if you missed your normal enrollment period, you got one more shot to go out and to make a change. And then there are limitations to what those changes can be. And then final thing, isn't there something about a like a major life change happening in a person that gives you an open door on that? Well, the en- special enrollment periods, there are certain ones for certain situations. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we'll have a list of those to see you know, which of those applied to that particular person. Yesterday, we had a situation, somebody moved. They moved from Volusia County to Seminole County. That's a special enrollment period. They get to change their plan. Okay. And give us your website, Don. www.affordableone.com, and we spell out the one O-N-E, Affordable One. Don Kirkendall, always great to have you up. You're a plethora of answers. That's what you are, my man. You've got them out there for us. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144. Or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. With me now is Mark Anthony from Southeastern Food Bank. Mark has been on the program before. Mark is up here. This, uh, this organization that God gave you is reaching out to people all over, nonprofit organizations, a lot of families. Mark, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. 
you know, this is so exciting. I got to meet you years ago at the uh, chamber meetings, the Christian chamber in central Florida. I know you're still an active part of that, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, you know, the work you're doing, I know that you've told your story before, but just for those that may not have heard this amazing story, you owned a basic lawn and garden business, right? And yeah. that's that's what you were doing. You mm-hmm. never saw this food feeding program, ministry, uh, food bank. You never saw that until it was literally, in a real way, dropped in your lap, right? Tell that's- us that story. So, yes, my lawn and garden store, 18 years. My wife and I um, ran that in uh, West Orlando. And we were, are you talking about receiving the? Yeah, those. Uh, we had some groceries that groceries we Groceries that were dropped off. From a man that uh, was saying, I know you that you um, follow God and can you do something with this food? And so basically went to West uh, East Winter Garden and did our first uh, unofficial or uh, outreach in 1989. You know, and you're doing that. I mean, when you think about the odd thing that that would be that someone drops off a big amount of food that they didn't need. I don't know how they came up with it mm-hmm. or why in the world did he think or did he know that you would do something in terms of distribution with that food? He just said, I know you're a man of God, and so um, I know you'll do the right thing with it. So... What were go? What was going on in your mind? What were the thoughts that you had uh, when that happened? Well, I thought it was a little bit crazy at first because you know who comes to the lawnmower shop to bring food to to have it redistributed. But um, he just knew my heart about serving, so I think that's what why he asked me. I guess. Wow! And that opened up. You did it, and then there was something that happened inside of you. God spoke through some means through this process and let you know that this was going to be something that you were going to be doing, right? That's correct. And really, uh, before I uh, started in 91, you know, I was doing some indirect things, but just running my business. So I prayed for God to, for, to uh, somebody to buy the business, which they did that in 94, and then not until... 2003 is when I went full-time. So you've been doing it, though. You were working it in the background, not doing it full-time, but yet you were kind of doing it full-time because this was more than just an avocation for you. This was a passion. It really is my passion. So, um, yeah, I have to um, tell my mouth sometimes because I'll continue to talk about it. And some people want to hear it, and some people, you know, kind of want the bottom line as what I do, why I do Mm -hmm. it, basically. Now, there are other food banks around, and yet God has used you and this particular ministry. He has grown it significantly over the years. Tell us a little bit about the progress of Southeastern. So from a standpoint of income, we went from uh, $300 a year need to about $34,000 a month in operations. Through that, we we, we brought in through the years uh, a semi and three big trucks uh, that we use for picking up all over the state where we used to be kind of local. And our programs went from maybe a couple thousand families to, to 232,000 families last year. Wow, 232,000 families. And so these are people 
that uh, how is that distributed to them? You work with other distribution points, right? Yes. Yeah, so we have yes, we have uh, maybe um, eighty organizations that we serve. Out of that, um, well, there's animal shelters and everything else, but. Um, so you serve more than just humans then? Yes. Yeah, we, we serve three uh, animal shelters in Central Florida and also um, some homeless projects, but that's people, obviously, and um, some government agencies, Sheriff's Department, because mm-hmm. we get more than just food. We, we've gotten everything from beds to cots to um, medical supplies. Um, I, I never really understood after... 30 years, how, how much different kinds of things we would actually bring in. Yeah. And I know that along with this, obviously you had to expand uh, property. You had to expand warehousing. You had to expand refrigeration. All of these things have to grow along with it to keep doing the more and more and more that you've been doing. Yeah. So we went like refrigeration. We went from uh, a few refrigerators and some freezers you know, homeowner type to a, um, the cooler holds 36 pallets, the freezer holds 16. And then we have backup now in a semi trailer, which holds, uh, which will hold 22, uh, refrigerated. If, if we need a backup, like it happened in 2020 when things were a little bit off the chart. I know that along the way, some of these things that God has called you to do that he's brought before you, I know some of them had to be almost perhaps overwhelming to you when you first thought about it. And I know you're a man of faith. I get that. I see that. But what what were some of the things that happened that when they first came up before you, you were, you were going like, wow, I don't know that we can do this. Where, did you have that experience? That was 2020 because we went from uh, 2.4 million pounds to 7.2 million pounds. We were bringing in for USDA tripled. Yes, we were bringing we were bringing two to three semi loads of USDA every day, and putting it up, putting it bringing it in, and putting it all back out in the state through all our partners. Um, I think the most overwhelming moment for me is Cisco is one of our providers, and they emailed me and said that we have fifty two pallets of hotel bread, loaf bread, and that's fine. I can deal with that. I'll get my brain around that. An hour later, they came back and emailed. We made a mistake. It was 152 pounds. Oh my word! And that's when I, I was three Ill, times. I, I was overwhelmed. I mean, really, I had to. Yeah. I had to get out of the emotion and then figure out what the best way. So in the end, they actually brought us two and a half semi-loads every week for three weeks straight. But none of that, none of that uh, bread went to animals, and that's what I was. It is a can-do mentality, whatever, whatever it is, and to be flexible. Yeah. And I know that along with the, the business growing and the service growing, this has had to grow your faith too. Really has grown my faith. And uh, I always said, you know, um, you either pray a lot um, if you need something or you uh, pay for it. If you can't pay for it, you pray a lot. So we prayed a lot. We prayed for a lot for the, for the new building. You know, we prayed for the, the first building. Uh, we God made the way for us to have uh, uh, better trucks in after 2020, and so um, it has really. Even when I ordered the building with with no money, that was a big step. And I always tell people, if um, I thought about it, I would have just um, 
uh, jumped off my dock in Lake Apopka and think I could walk on water, the worst <laughs> could happen is you get wet. Yeah, right. But what if I ordered the building and there wasn't money because I made that commitment and um, and at the end it was uh, $67,500 for this building, which is a God thing anyways. Right. And so, uh, but God, God honored that. So, and he brought the funds in, he brought the funds in an hour and a half later, uh, Edith Bush said, we're giving you $78,000 for your building. You know, that kind of thing. I've heard this kind of a story before from people like Sarah Trollinger at house of hope, where a big, what seemingly would be impossible mission is given. And you wonder how in the world can we ever do that? There's no way in the world we can do that. And that's the nice thing about God is he's not bound to the things that we understand or we see. It's a supernatural provision. Most definitely. And that's what you are describing right now, right? Correct. And the vision he gave me in 2020, by the way, was to, um, we have a partner in Alabama, but God showed me uh, that Someday we'll have a warehouse in each one of these states in the central of Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Arkansas. At the same time, uh, a man of God, that a man of God gave him keys to a plane that goes to all the Caribbean islands. When he, when I heard his story, I said, oh my gosh, I see a vision that we will, uh, not at the same time, but we will evangelize all those islands, in the 17 islands in the Caribbean. How that makes sense, I have no idea because we don't have the money. God does. And um, and also to be disaster relief, we are disaster relief for this area with Convoy Hope, by the way, for Central Florida. Oh, and we also I've had them on my program before. Yeah, they're, they're really g- great people. Great people. I've been to Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. I encourage anybody to go there. They're real people. Yeah. And um, and so for disaster relief for the islands is we give to organizations that will take it there. Yeah, we give them the product for them. That is such a beautiful story, and I know that. That faith, God rewards the diligent exercise of faith like what God's given you. And I know, Mark, I mean, when you're when I'm with you, uh, you're you're a humble man. I think I get the feeling that really you're as surprised about as this as much as anybody would be. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you were just operating a lawn and garden shop working on lawnmowers. And all of a sudden, God births in you a ministry. Now, we've got enough time to talk about another important aspect. We know that food and the food distribution that you give is amazing. You've grown from hundreds to now hundreds of thousands of uh, people that are being fed. But in addition to that, in addition to the food that's going out, there's another aspect about what you do that has always caught my eye. And that is the fact that you pray and you believe for people's salvations, not just for their full tummies. That's correct. Otherwise I wouldn't do this job is too um, crazy at times, you know, yeah. <laughs> late at night, early in the morning, middle of the night, you know? I, um, yeah. So tell us about how and when you started realizing that this is more than just food. This is evangelism. Well, what I haven't told you is before I, uh, three months before I was hurled into full-time ministry, uh, we were just going in our church praying, uh, talking about the prayer of Jabez, and I prayed that for three months, three months solid, and and that's when God hurled me into ministry through a man of God who'd been in jail 19 times and gave his life to the Lord. 
And I don't know if I answered your question. No, that's that's okay. So you you basically started getting a burden for people's souls, not just to see them fed. Right, right. Because we did that in the early stages in West Orlando. Because you can go all anywhere and just get food, but you know we want. And there are churches that do food programs, but we encourage them to do the whole process. Okay, it is scriptural to give food, but also let's give them the bread of life while they're here, whether they accept it or, accept it or not, but you've done your job, and so I encourage that. And you track as well as food and how much poundage you deliver. You also track how many people are being reached with the gospel, how many people pray. In, in 2022, last year, how many people did you see respond to the gospel? It was... Uh, 2,205 fam, uh, five people. 2,205 prayed to uh, receive. No, I've, I correct myself. 2,405. I usually don't forget numbers. But. Okay. 2,405 I only pray for two. I only pray for 2,000 salvations. So. Wow. And that Not is. Not exceeded above what my expectation. Wow. And, and again, that's through a ministry that's primary job is not pre- preaching the gospel, Correct. although you do preach the gospel. Yeah. The primary ministry that you're doing is helping people with food and giving food to those that have no food and organizations that are trying to reach homeless people. Yes. Uh, you're at, on top of all that out. You're also seeing people come to the Lord. Like I said, I wouldn't do this other than that if it wasn't for that. That is amazing. Now, one of the years of growth that you alluded to earlier was 2020. Now, we also know that 2020 is quite famous or infamous for being the year of COVID. How did COVID impact Southeastern? Everybody else was shutting down. We were working overtime, basically. We were working a lot harder. And um, it was a, it was a very uh, trying time. Um, not worried about the COVID aspect. Is just trying to keep up with the, the demand and the changeover, for, even for programs that some stopped. And and through that, we actually found some shaker moves in the Lord that continue to do those programs because they're all you know concerned about COVID. So there's a lot. There was a lot of a lot of radical change in, in 2020. There's a lot of people that would describe that COVID and all of the protocols that were put in place and how things, like you said, businesses shut down. There's a lot of people that say would say that they discovered some silver linings, some good things actually that developed inside of 2020 that actually propelled the future and are still bringing fruit today. Would, would you relate to that? So there was uh, Taylor Farms in Orlando was one of the two companies that was giving us USDA food to redistribute. Uh, we were not motivated by the money. They said, well, we're going to give you $2.70 a box. So the other group we had was 50 cents. We didn't care, honestly, because our God's our provider. We weren't focused on that. We were focusing on helping people. Out of that, uh, they gave us a check for $129,000, and our, our total budget that year was only 295000 so it was a big a big chunk. And because of that, what's continued to give out of that is we bought a, two years ago, we bought a 2015 refrigerated truck, the biggest one you can buy, holds the most capacity, and a newer semi. So it, that's what still continue to give wow. after after that, wow. from that. That's tremendous. I know you have a heart for God, Mark, and, and I appreciate that about you. And again, if anyone meets you, Mark, Anthony, 
they walk away thinking there's a humble guy. They probably would would say they're a bit surprised as uh, to the scope of the ministry that God's given you being the fact that you don't draw attention. You're not flashy about what you do. You don't, you're not, you're not out there. uh, Let's just say pushing it from this, the way we would think normally of a person who's aggressively doing it, but God's opening doors for you. And I get the feeling that you've had a hard time just keeping up with the doors that God's opened for you. Yes. Mental. I would say people say, how are you? I say it's mental. Physically I'm great, but it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. But we do have David in the office now to help me with operations that takes the, some pressure off of me. Well, we're praying for you, my friend. It's really great to see you and great to hear this story. It's an inspiring story. Southeastern Food Bank, give us how people can get in touch with you. So our website is southeasternfoodbank.com. Whether you're an individual uh, learning, wanting to learn more about us or volunteer, or 407-654-7777 is our office number that you can call, and we'll be glad to uh, talk with you about it. And we'll actually give you a, a tour. I take that time to give you a 20, 30-minute tour and to really uh, give you as much information as you want about what we do, why we do. We're looking for transparency, totally. That's beautiful. So chance to volunteer is there and take Mark Anthony up on it, Southeastern Food Bank. We appreciate you, Mark. Thank thank you for for being here. Thank you for hosting me. Thank you. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. It is so good to have you along with us on Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. Coming up in just over half an hour now at 2.20 this afternoon, and I realize that for those listening to the replay or those listening uh, on the podcast, we'll, this will all be moot. But at 2.20 today, something rather unprecedented is going to happen. A national test is going to hit, I believe, every cell phone, every smartphone at 2.20 with a unique tone. It's all part of the emergency alert system testing that's going on. That's going to better tie together all of the uh, alerts that need to go out from the government. So that's going to be a rather unique thing. If you haven't heard about it, you might want to be ready at about 2.20 this afternoon because that's when that test is going to take place. Once you ought to be aware about that. And um, again, it'll be a moot point for those listening uh, in the evening replay of this program. Last May, I had an opportunity to talk with Reggie Littlejohn. Reggie leads a ministry and has a lot of information. I think it's called Women's Without Frontiers. I'll give that uh, introduction from the NRB. That's where I talked to Reggie. This uh, was the second time that she's been on the program. So let's right now go to the archives all the way from May and at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters, when we heard from Reggie Littlejohn. 
These kind of conferences, such as it is at the NRB, afford many different people from backgrounds of all sorts to come together. With me right now, somebody that's actually been on my program once before, and I really enjoyed the chat we had that day with Reggie Littlejohn. Reggie is the president of the Women's Rights Without Frontiers and the co-founder of the Sovereignty Coalition. It's so nice to have you, Reggie. Thank you so much for having me. You know, you're here. Tell me a little bit about the message that you're bringing in all of your interviews here at, the, uh, at this particular conference. What's, what is it that's on your heart? Well, the main message that I'm bringing today is that the United States needs to withdraw from the World Health Organization. And that's the reason I, founded, I co-founded the Sovereignty Coalition, because the World Health Organization right now, at the same time as the NRB, is having its annual meeting and they're negotiating a couple of ag agreements that would c destroy U.S. sovereignty and also our personal medical freedom. And the only way we're going to not have them landing on us is if we withdraw from the World Health Organization. Now, that's something that might be a far stretch for this current administration, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. President Trump actually did withdraw from the World Health Organization. But the thing is that it takes a year to, you have to give them a year's notice. So by the time that year was up, Biden was already in office mm -hmm. and he just reinstated us. So we don't, ex unless there is significant public pressure, the, you know, the Biden administration is not going to do it. But I want to explain why, you know, why we feel that this is really necessary right now. So the World Health Organization is, is negotiating these two instruments. One is amendments to the international health regulations the other one is the pandemic treaty if you put the two of those together oh. it, it, it it creates a situation where the world health organization is no longer an advisory body but it, it is it can mandate yeah how the united states would the handle the dictation of, of, of the dictating body right like a dictator okay yeah. they can dictate how the united states handles our own health crises and that is, that destroys our national sovereignty. We should be free to decide how we handle our medical crises. Um, and not only that, but they can do it not when there's just a pandemic, but when there's a potential pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they can do it not just on human health. They can do it on human health, animal health, plant health, or the environment. Mm -hmm. so, they, so what they really want, what they are pushing for, is to have control over every aspect of life on Earth. And given how terribly they botched the coronavirus pandemic, oh my goodness! I, you know, yeah. Why would why would we want to give them dictatorial power? And yet, I think the average American feels so helpless right now. Now you talked about rising up and bringing pressure. That's right. And so, what are the steps that the average American, our listeners who are listening to this, what is it that they can do that is tangible? and will actually make a dent in what we're talking about. Well, we've already had a big success. So this is the SovereigntyCoalition.org. Go to SovereigntyCoalition.org. We just launched this a couple of months ago. It's a very new initiative. Two months ago, basically no one in Congress, or this, this issue had very low visibility in Congress. There was no energy behind it. So. We, ha we launched an initiative where people sign the sovereignty declaration and then they can click a button and it will go to their representatives, their congressmen, their senators, mm -hmm. and also to the Biden administration um, and the leadership in the House and the Senate. And we had 
over 300,000 actions taken. Wow. That's emails and phone calls. And what that did is it moved this from being a non-issue to the fact that last Wednesday, there was a major congressional press conference on Capitol Hill in which 18 congressional representatives got up and said, the United States needs to withdraw from the World Health Organization. That's wonderful. And that's the kind of representation that our country was supposed to be uh, all about in, in Washington. The, the people that are sent there to represent the people, we the people. And so if we the people speak up, it, it, it might just make a big difference in this. And I think it's important, Reggie, as we talk about this, uh, that for us at our radio station, we're not a political arm. We don't have a political program, but that's not to say we don't talk about things that have political overtones to them. And we're talking about something right now, what you're talking about. If this were to pass and America were to lose its sovereignty to the World Health Organization, that breaks down to every individual family's freedoms. That's right. So this is the thing. We also say that if the World Health Organization becomes basically a world dictator on health, it will, it will destroy the sacred relationship between every person and their doctor because doctors will no longer be free to prescribe for each person what's important, what, what, what would help keep them healthy. Instead, it will be mandated by the World Health Organization, which could do things like requiring vaccines. Right. Mm. And then if you put that together with um, an enforcement, people say, well, how are they going to enforce this? Well, they can enforce it the way that they enforce it in Canada, which is the Canadian truckers. They had a strike against vaccine mandates and the Canadian government cut them off from their credit cards and their bank accounts. Yes. Same thing can happen in the United States. That's how they can. Many enforce people it. are fearing that very thing. Right. So if you don't want you know, Xi Jinping basically sitting in your doctor's office with you, telling your doctor you know, what, what he has to prescribe for you or she has to prescribe for you, go to SovereigntyCoalition.org and sign the declaration and then click the box to send that to your congressional representatives and, then, and also the congressional leadership. It is that simple. Really, it is that simple. Just go to a website and then through that website, one site they can send it to all of their representatives. Yeah, it's a very powerful program that we have um, that enables, enables you to do that. And also, the, I, I want to say, people comfort themselves by saying, oh, well, that sounds terrible, but it's unconstitutional, or um, the Senate, it will never pass the Senate, so I don't really have to worry about it. You can't comfort yourself by telling yourself that. That's right. Because Senator Ron Johnson, about six weeks ago, ran an amendment to say... Anything, um, any agreement coming out of the World Health Organization can only be implemented upon the advice and consent of the Senate. That's constitutional, right? The Senate itself voted it down. So, and the vote went pretty much straight down party lines mm -hmm, sure. to the extent that yeah. Senator Johnson sent out a tweet saying, I feel so sad that the Democrats don't care about our national sovereignty. Uh, but so we can't, we can't rest. This is not a time to rest. This is not a time to just sort of say, well, I'm not going to worry about that because it'll never happen. It can happen, and we really need to rise up now. I think it's so incredible that 
the organization that was behind the masks and all of these things of the COVID, which most people still twitch if you just bring up lockdown or 2020 or COVID crisis or coronavirus. You mentioned any of those terms and our eyes start twitching. <laughs> Yet we're willing, it appears, governmentally speaking, we're willing to throw away what has been fought for and died for in this nation and give our rights away to some organization across the pond and let them dictate to us. Right, and then another problem is that in the, in, in the um, pandemic treaty, there's a big section on surveillance and another big section on censorship. So in order to, the, the pretext is, oh, we need to know right away whether there's any kind of a health issue. That's their, that's their pretext to surveil all human health, right. animal health, plant health, and the environment. Um, and then they also have a censorship where if anybody says something that they disagree with, they will be censored. Um, so if we don't oppose this now, we're going to be living in a biotech security state. Right. Because, we, because as soon as you censor something, or excuse me, as soon as you disagree with what the WHO is saying, you'll be censored and you could be cut off, cut off from your access to your credit cards yeah. and your bank account. Yeah, and there's a lot of people talking about that. Franklin Graham mentioned that last night. Oh, wow. He, talking about, he believes a storm is on its way mm -hmm. and we need to get ready for it. And what you're talking about is how to get ready for that particular storm, that particular part of the storm, where it has to do with our individual rights and our sovereignty as a nation. That's right, and our personal medical freedom. Give us those websites one more time. Okay, so the main website for this issue is SovereigntyCoalition.org. SovereigntyCoalition.org. And so anybody can go to that, SovereigntyCoalition.org, and then sign up and just follow the prompts, sign up, and then it will be directed to the appropriate senators and representatives, both. Right, and it will also go to the Senate or in the House leadership, and will also go to members of the Biden administration. So it's a very powerful tool, and that's how we got it got the issue to go from being invisible to being a major congressional yeah. press conference. And that's really a, a no small feat right there. No, it's it a miracle, done. I think. Yeah, I agree. Reggie, it's so nice. Reggie Littlejohn, so nice to uh, have you with us here today, and we thank you for that. Thank you so very much. Yeah. And that about does it for today's program. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <music>